Tabs Mobile Rolling. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Let's talk harness racing. Chris Barsby's linking up with us. And I heard a couple of you, or watched a couple of races yesterday, Chris, not all of them, but I know one young lady in particular had a real day out there at Albion Park. Good morning. Yeah, Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Narissa McMullen, she had a, a, a wow of a day. Talk about, it's funny you bring this up because... Yesterday, uh, we did the preview, and I was so bullish about Shane Graham having this huge book of drives yesterday. Well, guess what? Never drove one. Not one. Not even looked like getting one yesterday, and I thought he'd drive at least five. Didn't get one. Narissa steps up and says, uh, thank you very much, lands the first two, both trotting races, and then comes back with a pair of her own horses, Burns Bay and Heaven in Loxley, lands a winning quartet. But it's all important, Steve, because uh, as we know, it's a team teal time at the moment, so Narissa's sporting the teal pants, uh, the fight against ovarian cancer, so uh, raising vital funds for a, uh, a very good cause. So great to see, but uh, I was the absolute kiss of death yesterday for Shane Graham. Stopped him in his stride, didn't get one winner. Here I am saying he's going to get five, and if we had a, a tab market for a driver's challenge, he'd be unbackable odds, and you'd just keep putting it on. But it wasn't to be. Chris, last weekend we talked about the highlights there in Victoria, you know, the Hunter Cup. We talked about Captain Ravishing's first up performance was outstanding. And then we had Lock and Varart win in America uh, over there first up for a long time. What's going to be the highlights this weekend around the country or Australasia for that matter? Uh, no doubt that the highlight will uh, certainly switch to Sydney now, Steve. So uh, we've got the Chariots of Fire only uh, Saturday week away. We've got the final qualifier this Saturday night, the Pale Face Adios Stakes. So uh, that's all important. Uh, and now we're starting to see a lot of good horses step out in Sydney. Friday week, we'll have the Newcastle Mile. Winner of that race is guaranteed. Uh, Pinny Tigers over from uh, Perth. He'll be starting next Friday night in that Newcastle Mile. I'll... I'll chase down uh, Mick Mouse Brennan tomorrow and get an update on Penny Tiger. So there's a lot of focus on Sydney now, not only with the Chariots of Fire, Miracle Mile, but you've got the, the Ladyship or the Queen Elizabeth, as they call it now, the Oaks, the Derby. Earlier this week at Bathurst uh, on Monday night, in fact, a couple of those leading hopes for the Oaks and Derby. Better be the best. And Nathan Turnbull stepped out in a trial against Jewel Melody, the star filly for Bernie Hewitt. And better be the best was able to sit on uh, Jewel Melody and uh, get her down uh, late in the home straight. So they're gearing up towards those features. We'll have a couple of two-year-old features coming up in Sydney as well. And then before long, uh, all the attention will be on Queensland as we get set through our carnival. So there's a lot happening, but the, the, the focus now is clearly on Sydney. Yeah, catch away is the interesting runner there in the pale face Adios. We talked about the horse's win last weekend over the short course, which obviously the horse thrives at that shorter trip, but just an awkward draw there, Chris, on the weekend. We'll talk more about that over the coming days. But Greg Sugars, hasn't he had a wonderful couple of months and he joins us? Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk to Greg this morning because he's got an absolute star of Australian harness racing. Believe it or not, it was dominant taking out a, a Group 1 uh, race across the weekend. But you wouldn't know. It's been lost in translation, this race, the Great Southern Star, because all the focus was on the Hunter Cup, what transpired in the Hunter Cup and thereafter, and then all the talk about Captain Ravishing and Lock and Navarra. This horse is absolutely flying. He's the the top of the uh, the pops right now, as far as the trotters are concerned, I'm talking about Just Believe. He's won the Inter-Dominion, and now he's claimed the Great Southern Star. 
trained by Jess Tubbs, driven by her husband, Greg, and Greg's online now. Greg, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, thank you very much. He's been lost this weekend, hasn't he, Just Believe? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's uh, he certainly, um, you know, has been an outstanding asset uh, to our stable, and, um, yeah, we're extremely proud of what he's been able to achieve. Well, just... Correct me if I'm wrong here. I've done some sums on Just Believe. Since being under the care now of Lara J Farm, 14 starts, nine victories, four seconds, multiple Group 1 victories as well. Yeah, pretty impressive <laughs> um, when you yeah, put those stats down on paper and certainly not uh, not what we sort of expected to happen, um, although we were pretty excited when the horse uh, walked through our gate. Um, yeah, we still... Uh, Still wouldn't have dreamed that he'd come away with a record uh, this good, uh, you know, so soon into the preparation. So he's won a great Southern Star on the weekend. He's won an EB Cochrane Cup. He's won a Kilmore Trotters Cup, a Shepparton Trotters Cup. And the the crowning moment, without doubt, was the Inter-Dominion, a clean sweep. Not just winning the final, he won every heat and the final. So he's just been unbelievable since joining your team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, just about a dream come true. This is, uh, you know, he's an absolute uh, pleasure to have around the place. So not only is he a you know, very talented horse on the racetrack, he, he's an incredibly, um, you know, he's a real character. Um, you know, he's, he's a real pleasure to have around the stable. So, um, yeah, he, he's an absolute trainer and driver's dream. And, um, you yeah, know, like you say, that record is, is, you know, outstanding when you'd sit down and think uh, a horse could uh, have those, um, alongside his name, um, you know, at the end of his career, let alone, let alone in, you know, sort of one preparation to do all that within sort of uh, four or five months is, um, yeah, quite amazing. And, yeah, certainly not what we expected, but uh, we're very, uh, very proud of what he's been able to achieve. Greg, it's Steve. When you say he's a character, what are some of the things this horse gets up to? Oh, just his attitude and just his mannerisms around the place. He's uh, he's a real kind horse, but he's uh, he's playful as well at the time and, um, you know, he, he loves, like we, we give most of our horses, um, you know, we teach them to eat carrots here as a treat and you sort of always sniff in your pockets and, uh, and trying to find them, uh, and that sort of thing. So he's just, uh, just, he's got his own personality. There's no doubt about it. And he's just a real, uh, a real asset to the stable. Greg, so this starts since he joined your stable, Lara J. Farr, this goes back to September. He's now a seven-year-old. He's always been blessed with ability. He was placed in the Inter-Dominion Grand Final in Sydney the previous year. Being a seven-year-old, he's very likely raced for a trotter. He's only had the 55 career starts. Is is the best still to come, in your opinion, with Just Believe? Yeah, look, he seems to be getting better along we've had him. He's um, certainly progressing through his preparation and, and taking, um, you know, steps forward, uh, you know, each time he steps out there. So every time a challenge has been thrown in front of him, he's been able to rise to the task. And as you say, he's not overly raced for his age. Um, so, yeah, you would think that, you know, there's a possibility that he could still have a, a little bit up his sleeve yet. Just going back to last Friday night. So for those that are unaware, the Great Southern Star, heat and final on the same night. So they race early in the program, a few hours off, then they get prepped for the final on the same meeting. So it's a it, it's a daunting challenge, not only for horse, but for also trainer and driver as well. Just talk us, uh, or take us through last Friday night. Uh, he was beaten in the heat. He ran second. But were you happy with the heat run? Did you feel that, you know, he still had something to offer him in the final? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, was, I thought his heat run was outstanding, actually. Um, 
it sort of didn't work out um, first half of the race, sort of how we kind of thought it might. Um, we weren't able to put him into the race and then we were sort of blocked for a run for a fair portion of it um, on the three-wide line with a horse that sort of didn't take us as far forward as what I thought it may have. And, um, yeah, it actually crossed my mind, you know, at the five or 600-metre mark that, um, we might be struggling to qualify here. And, um, yeah, when I asked him to go, he really let down strong and hit the line powerfully. And to get as close to the winner as he did, um, it, it filled us with a huge amount of confidence that, um, you know, with a better trip in the final, that he was he was the one to beat. And, um, yeah, thankfully it worked out that way. We obviously had the right marble come out um, first and were able to get barrier one. So um, going into the final was... was um, yeah, a lot of pressure lifted off our shoulders as far as the way the race was going to get run. Um, so that was really good. And, you know, he's a, he's such a professional racehorse and a very resilient uh, sort of horse that um, he recovered really well after that, um, after the heat. And, um, yeah, was sort of fully recovered in the matter, you know, in the space of half an hour, basically. And he just went to sleep in the stable and, and took no harm from that first up run. So it was always a little bit unknown as, you know, as it is for probably, you know, the whole field really, because racing twice in one night is not something that we're, uh, you know, accustomed to, to doing. Um, so I suppose there was a little, little question mark to see how, um, you know, all the runners were going to handle that back up. But from our point of view, um, yeah, the horse, he seemed to recover so well and seemed so bright uh, going out on the track for, for the final that, um, yeah, we were very confident he was gonna, he was the one to beat. Gee, he showed some speed off the arm there, Greg. Yeah, he did. He did. And it was a very fast front row. Um, it's a high-quality uh, group of trotters were there and it was a yeah, hell of a burn to the first turn. And, yeah, he held his own pretty good and um, before taking the trail on, on the faster metro. And, you know, from that point on, it was just... Uh, we just had to hope that John's um, got us far enough into the lane and, and uh, we could use the sprint lane to... Um, to finish off, and that's exactly the way it unfolded for us. Was there any doubt about, you know, did you make the right decision? Did you, during the race in the final, you had barrier one. Were, were you sort of thinking, I'm going to lead? Is it, is Mufasa Metro the right horse to hand up on? What was going through your mind there? I certainly wanted to lead was sort of my first intention, um, you know, from the word go, but I um, was very mindful of how quick, um, Mufasa Metro is and Alda Baron Zeus for that matter to his inside so I thought I knew it'd be a challenge to the first turn and you know we just had to work out um, what happened as it was happening um, but I always had the uh, the um, the utmost respect for Queen Elida who was going to be on my back so I didn't want to go for too far early um, with her having the soft, soft run on our back so um, yeah once we burnt for the first 200 to the corner and you know John was you know three quarters of the way across um, I sort of thought that was that was far enough, and um, you know I was hopeful that John John's horse would uh, go good enough over the short course uh, to get us where it needed to, and, and it certainly did. Greg, just in relation to training the trotters compared to the paces, how much di- how different is it? Oh, not a great deal really these days. I mean, um, the trotting ranks have just improved, uh, you know, tenfold really, probably over the last or um, well, certainly the last decade. Um, you know, maybe the last five years in particular, um, and you know, people like uh, um, Pat Driscoll at Yabby Dam Farm certainly have to be commended for for what they've been able to um, bring to the um, square gating ranks um, down in the Southern Hemisphere. And, and Duncan McPherson, uh, another one along the way, that uh, giving us access to the international um, 
stallions and, and better bloodlines um, because of it that, yeah, the trotting breed has certainly evolved so much that, um, yeah, they, they pretty much get trained very similar to um, two paces these days. They just about have to be as fast. There's no doubt about that. So, um, yeah, we, we don't do things much different for him than we would um, any other horse on the place, whether it be a, a trotter or a pacer. And the evolution there of the breed with the trotters in the Southern Hemisphere is evident with Just Belief. He's by a French stallion out of an American mare. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we're just, uh, you know, I think that experiment was uh, was taken place with uh, Kevin Risley uh, many years ago and, and the horses he brought across, I think, or that he brought at the time that they, they didn't set the world on fire as, as racehorses themselves, but they've certainly uh, bred on since and um, that's really helped strengthen, um, you know, the trotting ranks down here. And there's been so many of those stories over recent years that... Uh, that many people are now getting the benefits of um, those people uh, taking a risk uh, many years ago and, and improving improving our uh, our breed and you know the, like I said the overall trotting ranks have just improved that much it's uh, it's great to see. Mm. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about just with the Great Southern Star. So your first heat was your heat was in or just after seven o'clock. The final was scheduled just after ten o'clock. So there's a three hour window there. And just talking about the what do you do with them? the heat and the final. Are you walking them? It looked like it was a bitterly cold night there on Friday night at Melton. Do they just stay inside uh, in the barn down there? What are you doing with them between races? Yeah, um, it, it was a cold, you know, on the colder side of things, um, which was probably good because uh, it helped the horses cool down quick. Um, so, yeah, basically everything straight after the race was was business as, as usual. Um, you know, the horse was obviously washed and cooled down and rehydrated best they could and, and then taken for a walk um, for about 10, 15 minutes to make sure he fully uh, fully recovered. And, and once he'd done that, um, yeah, he was basically just back in the stable, um, gave him a brush and let him settle. And then, um, yeah, probably another half an hour after that, um, we gave him a feed, gave him a little feed just to let him, um, you know, fully recover and um, get a bit of nutrition back into his system and and shortly after that, he was basically just let let stand in the stable where he was nice and relaxed, and um, and that was it. Where he remained there until um, it was time to gear him back up, uh, you know, approximately half an hour or so before the final. And um, then we did take him for a quick walk uh, again just to get the blood flowing, and um, and then away we went. So um, there wasn't a great deal different um, straight after the race. Um, than what we would normally do. Um, it was just uh, obviously to get the horse recovered as quick as possible and keep him happy and settled. And, uh, and that was about it, really. Do, do you like this format, the Great Southern Star Heat and Final on the same night? I do. Yeah, it's something different. Um, you know, I don't think it's something we'd, we need to be doing too often. But um, certainly as a once-off uh, for a feature race like this, it, it's quite interesting. You know, it uh, obviously gives you two bites of the cherry to try and win a race. And um, and yeah, look, it's um, no horses seem to take any ill effect from it. I think all trainers seem to think that the horses got through it really well. So there was no um, no detriment to the animals or the or the participants from that point of view. So no, I think it's uh, I think it's a great concept, and um, yeah, obviously really really happy to be a part of it. And to to say we've now claimed one of those is um, a real feather in our cap. Mm. Where would you like to see it run? There's been a lot of banter over the the past couple of days uh, that, you know, it was sort of lost there on, on Friday night. In, in your opinion, where would you like to see it staged or when? Uh, yeah, hard to know, really. Um, 
you know, from our point of view, like, it certainly didn't matter that uh, it wasn't a, a bumper crowd there. Like we were happy to win it no matter when it was run. So from that point of view, it didn't take any way anything away from um, ourselves as participants or uh, or the connections. Um, but yeah, it's probably fair to say that um, it it may have drawn a better crowd and, and been a, a better night if it was um, probably the week after the Ballarat Cup, I would say, um, would probably be a, um, a good place to kick off. Okay. Uh, the, the feature race this weekend is the Night Pistol. Was there any temptation about backing him up? Do you set your sights on Sydney with that race up there, the Hammerhead now? What are the plans moving forward with Just Believe? Uh, yeah, no, we were sort of after the Great Southern Star, um, even going into it, uh, we sort of thought that we'd um, would miss this week, um, and then just focus on the on the Grand Prix, um, which is uh, yeah, I think a fortnight's time. So um, that's his next plan, and then that uh, leads into the Hammerhead in Sydney. So the week later, so um, yeah, that was always always the plan, just to pick to those uh, stick to those um, those feature ones, uh, worth a little bit more money, um, and just uh, and just focus on them, and um, yeah, give him an easy week just to make sure he fully recovered from the from the star run. So, yeah, that's his plan and um, all going well. If we get through those next two runs and everything's still going good, there's, uh, there's a possibility he may be heading across the ditch um, to Auckland uh, for the Row Cup and, and a couple of lead-up trotting, trotting races um, over there. OK, what about Queensland? Uh, are we any chance of seeing him during the carnival, uh, the, the Queensland Trotters' Cup now with 100,000? Or do we have to wait until the end of the year with the end of the million being the defending champ? Uh, it's yeah, it's a possibility. Um, nothing sort of confirmed yet. Like I said, we've got a bit of bit to go here, and and if we do head across New Zealand first, so we sort of get through all that um, unscathed first. And um, yeah, Queensland is certainly on the radar, um, but nothing's locked in. But um, yeah, hundred percent will be all going well. We'll be uh, there at the end of the year for Inter Dominion for sure. All right. The other horse that I wanted to ask about this morning is Better Eclipse. Uh, he was the star of our carnival uh, last year. He was so good uh, competing in all of the races that he contested. He was back at the trials yesterday. It's been announced that he's got a uh, slot in that New Zealand race coming up uh, in April at Cambridge. First of all, let's talk about the trial yesterday. He beat Tuck Tilly in Pacifico Dream. Did he do what you wanted him to do yesterday? Yeah, he certainly did. No, we weren't out there to sort of have a real gut buster or... uh smash the clock or anything like that so um it was only a small field obviously on the three of us out there but all three quality horses and um yeah he was just let let settle out the back and um wasn't really too concerned with how fast or how slow though they wanted to go up front um we just wanted to hit the line strong and, and run a run a quarter basically which is exactly the way it worked out for us and um yeah he felt felt really good in himself really sharp and has come through it great so um yeah we're well and truly on song for where we need to be at the moment so how many starts do you give him here in Victoria before he heads across the ditch? Uh, we may not race in Victoria at all. Uh, we're going to go head straight to Sydney. Um, and we're certainly going for the lead-up races for the sprints for the Miracle Mile um, are on the agenda. And we're sort of uh, still in the, in the process of deciding whether we go head up actually next week for the Newcastle Mile or not. So that's kind of 50-50 at this stage. But um, if we decide to miss Newcastle, we'll... Um, will certainly be there the week later for the sprints and, and hopefully he can make his way into a, a miracle mile for the second time. Does he feel a little bigger and stronger now? Like he hasn't raced since uh, New Year's Eve, since that big bread file, but is there a noticeable change in his physique right now? 
Uh, certainly the looks that way in appearance. Um, you know, I was, I was pretty happy with the way he felt in himself at the trial and certainly showed good acceleration, but that's something he's always sort of had. So, um, yeah, from that point of view, the, the yesterday's trial probably didn't tell us um, he was any different, but certainly to look at the horse um, just over the last probably six months or so, he's starting to really mature and, and uh, he's, a, he's a much physically stronger looking animal than what he was um, you know, saying this time last year. Okay, well, exciting times ahead there. So you tackle that race over there at Cambridge where you will run into a cooter because he's been announced uh, with a slot as well. You've got close to, what, 60 Group 1 wins uh, against your name, Greg, and I know Steve is fascinated by this. I'll ask the, the question, who would you rather drive and who would you rather compete against out of the likes of Captain Ravishing, Leap to Fame and Akuta? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, incredibly tough one to, to answer um, because they're all special horses. Um, you know, you certainly wouldn't say no to being partnered with any of those those animals. So, um, no, I'm going to sit in the fence and, and, uh, and yeah, reserve my judgment, I think. But uh, it certainly depends on, on what race it is too and the distance and the conditions of the race um, probably... Um, makes a bit of a difference but um yeah all three horses are extremely talented animals and very exciting for our sport moving forward so if the opportunity came to sit behind any one of them i uh i probably wouldn't say no it is a tough one but it's fascinating at the moment because there's so much hype on captain ravishing you know firsthand how how strong leap to fame is and akuda well you know he's got that polish of uh, all-stars magic on him so it's a it's a fascinating but really exciting uh, thing for the industry moving forward that we've got these four-year-olds they're all the same age and uh, you know let's just hope that we're set for some epic battles in, in time to come we sure i sure hope so um you say they're, they're the young horses they're the emerging stars of our sport so hopefully we can um get some situations unfolding that they actually have to meet each other and um you know we we were pretty excited here in victoria um, it was a year or year or two ago with uh, trying to get the clash between Lock and Bar Art and Ride High, and it just they kept dodging each other, so it never eventuated, unfortunately. But um, you know we've got some very exciting horses like the three you've just mentioned that uh, hopefully they should all be clashing in some feature races coming up, and it's going to be some exciting times uh, for our sport because um, you would say that you know Luck and Running is going to play a great deal um, to decide who who wins the, the race when uh, you've got three quality horses like that and we could have a different winner each time they step step out and uh, and of course if they all sort of do go to go to war and really make a race of it sometimes that could even bring um, other horses secondary sort of horses to the superstars in uh, into the action as well so um, yeah very exciting times ahead for harness racing okay and just on captain ravishing I'm keen to get your thoughts that the chariots is a race that is at his mercy it comes up Saturday week the, the, the challenge then, if he wins the chariots and then goes to the Miracle Mile, it, it's a big step up, though, isn't it? But in your opinion, is he capable of, of winning both? Oh, certainly capable. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, well, he's just such an exciting talent and incredibly fast horse. But um, obviously, when he makes his way through to a Miracle Mile field, um, he's going to meet horses that are equally as talented. And uh, that'll probably be the only thing that, you know, remains to be seen that uh, when he's in a full field of horses around him that can go with him uh, those fast sectionals whether he's got the you know the racetrack ring craft to sort of um, 
you know, sustain that pressure with horses around him and keep going. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he can't do that for sure. I think uh, he's a very exciting animal and, um, yeah, I sort of uh, can't wait to see what he does when he gets to an angle because he's obviously an incredibly fast horse. Um, from what we've seen down at at, uh, at Melton, so he's only going to be faster at Menangle. And um, yeah, when there's a full field of horses around him, it's going to make for a very exciting racing. Yeah, absolutely. Forty six nine is the Australasian record, so who knows with Captain Rapishing uh, in that sort of form that he is right now, he could easily uh, uh, rewrite the uh, the history books there. Uh, just quickly, just in closing, Carnival coming up here in July. You were a big part of it last year with Jess. Uh, the, the Trotters have got a, a massive boost just uh, in recent times. A, a, a new race coming up, the Great Square, three- and four-year-olds, based loosely on the same concept as the Rising Sun for the Pacers. Uh, there looks like there's going to be some really good prize money on offer. Are we likely to see you and Jess and Lara J represented during the, the, the July Carnival? Uh, yeah, um, it's certainly uh, been discussed and, um, and we're a chance to sort of make our way up there. Um, whether we'll have a have a strong hand to play this year, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that. But um, yeah, we had such a great time last year, and the carnival seems to only be improving each year. Um, so harness racing Queensland need to be commended for that. That um, and we had such a great time that we'd certainly uh, love to be a part of it again, uh, again if we can. So um, yeah, certainly in discussions about making that happen. Uh, that's for sure. Have you got a three- or four-year-old trotter that looks above average? Uh, no, probably not above average, but... Um, You've just upset the owners of still time to seat. find one. <laughs> we don't have him anymore, unfortunately. Right, well, there you go. That's okay, then. That's okay. So, I hey, uh, really appreciate the time. And job well done with Just Believe. He hasn't had the other uh, plaudits that he deserves uh, across the weekend for, for whatever reason. But... Uh, I just wanted to highlight because it's just been phenomenal what he's achieved since September last year. 14 uh, starts, nine wins, four seconds and one third. So many group ones and into Dominion, a great Southern star. Job well done to you and Jess. Thanks a lot, mate. There's Greg Sugars joining us. So uh, interesting there, mm. Steve. Uh, he just doesn't know which way he wants to go, whether it's a captain ravishing leap to fame or a cooter. But I suppose most drivers uh, would be the same. They wouldn't knock back uh, either one of the trio. One of our regular contributors just sent me a text. He's going off. Which one? Ryan. Mm, about? He said, why couldn't you put me on today? Then there'd be sugars and spice. <laughs> Into the straight, it's I'm ready, Jet. Mafasa Metro kicks on. Mafasa Metro in front coming through, Just Believe. Mafasa Metro tackled by Just Believe. The favourite hit the front, Just Believe. He's going to win another big one. Just Believe. Oh, tequila. Queensland Young Gun, Leonard Kane is with us. Chris, thanks to Garrards. Yeah, we've got a night event program tonight at Recliffe. Action starts at 5.22. Leonard's got a couple of interesting drives there tonight. He joins us now. Leonard, appreciate the time. No worries at all, Chris. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, Vermont in race one. Race one, number one. He's got the right draw, but um, this is a horse that probably goes best when it's not used early. So how do you attack this race uh, with this great draw? Um, sort of a bit of a tricky one, really, Chris. Um, I think she's, I think she's just as good used early. It's more just the fact that um, week to week, 
you know, she doesn't always get out that well. Sometimes if she's up on the bit, you usually know behind the gate whether she's coming out or not. She'll, um, you know, if she's up on the bit, she'll get out strong. Um, and then at times she'll go up and the, the green light will go and she'll sort of come out in reverse. So um, I think obviously with the good draw, you know, we just got to hope that hopefully she's on the job tonight and um, she can hold up fairly handy. And if that was the case, I think she'd take some running down. Okay, how do you assess that speed to your outside then? Um, I think I'm fairly on par with Mon Balange. Um, tell me this is probably the biggest worry. You know, it, it can leave the arm pretty well when it wants to. It sort of depends on what they do with Shady's Delight. Um, you know, I think, like I say, if she's on the job, I think she could, could sort of hold up or um, hopefully at least be leaders back. But... Um, you know, I am fairly confident that if she was to leave the gate on the bit, um, I probably could nearly hold up in that field. Okay. That last that effort went third behind after dark. Uh, was more than okay. Quick last half. How did you sort of assess that run? Yeah, you know, um, I thought, yeah, since I've been driving her, the only time I've probably been disappointed with her, I think, was two starts to go when she was a little sluggish. But um, Connection sort of said that she was in season and um, a couple of things couple of contributing factors, um, I think, sort of just worked against her on that day. But um, I've been really happy with every run so far. You know, she's ultra consistent and um, she, she really moved off the helmet real good last start when I asked for her. Um, and then just obviously, like you say, in the quick last half, there was nothing more she could really do. So um, I thought there was a lot of merit in that run. Definitely convincing going into tonight. Okay. Race two tonight, Galvarino. First time behind this guy tonight? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Eight-speed horse, um, so can you get across and lead here? I think we can, actually. Um, you know, obviously, like you say, leaves the gate like he's tied to it. So um, hopefully, you know, if we can get across and sort of control the race a little bit, um, I actually give him a really good chance there tonight. Yeah, his recent form, very consistent. I think he's been placed four of his last five. Last start runner-up here behind Trioli. So if he finds the front, he'll prove hard to run down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, like you say, um, he, he start last week. There was nothing wrong with that. Trioli's in great form, so it was um, no slouch running second to it. So hopefully, um, you know, all going well. I think I think that's quite a good race for him tonight. Okay, the scratchings. Uh, does it help or doesn't really make any difference? Uh, Sir Boston for no reason both come out of that race. Um, obviously for no reason probably doesn't make a great lot of difference, but Sir Boston probably helps a little bit. You know, um, probably. Helps us get get across a little bit quicker, I think. Um, so that that definitely, I think, that works in our favour. So all we can hope for is a little bit of luck, and um, I think we'll be we'll be going pretty close. All right. And then you've got to wait until the very last race tonight because your final drive is race eight, number two, Snack Time Rock. They had Brian McCall on last week. She's close. There's no doubt about it. She's much better drawn this week. So how do you sort of rate her? Uh, I, you know, she's another one that I think is a great chance there tonight. Like you say, she's um, drawing well and she's going she's going great at the moment. So um, I think the biggest thing with her is just getting her to turn on late. Um, with her being a little bit um, rough in a gear early on, sort of, there was a lot of starts there that we had to just mainly focus on getting her around safely rather than being able to do anything extravagant. So I think you know, obviously she she's doing everything right now, which is great. But now we've sort of just got to teach her to actually go past them and um, 
and switch on late because at the moment she's sort of coming off the helmet and running to them and then she sort of thinks her job's done and she's kind of just going with them. Um, so I think, you know, she is getting better and better each week and I think um, we're probably nearly drawn. I think we can nearly leave there tonight. So I think if that was the case, I'd be pretty keen on holding it and um, I think she'd be tough to run down, to be honest. Okay, I was going to ask about the early speed. She dazzles unknown because she had a first start last week and made a gate break, so it's hard to sort of um, gauge her early speed. Yeah, that's right, obviously. there's um, We don't know a great lot about her. So, uh, like you say, she sort of got a bit of a check last week and galloped. Um, but, yeah, I think Stack Time Rock, she's been leaving the gate really well of late. So, um, I think... I think I, like I say, I think I can nearly find the front. And if that was the case, I think um, that would probably be the key to this race. All right. Well, three good chances there tonight. Races one, two, and eight. Before I let you go, the other one that I wanted to ask about, uh, your own mare with your wife, Beth, the Harkin Dream. She's low flying. Again, she just ran out of a skin last Saturday night. Uh, you'd be happy, but I'm sure at the same time, you're just a little frustrated because she's so close yet so far away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you say, she's she's been flying, especially the last couple. And, um, you know, she just hasn't been getting any luck with draws. And, and then a couple of times there, no luck in running. Um, so, you know, she's she's knocking on the door. But like you say, it is, it's pleasing. At, but at the same time, it's very frustrating because, um, you know, there's been plenty of times there where I've thought, oh, we can nearly win this again on Saturday night there. I thought, oh, chop it straight when I pulled off Angus's helmet. I thought, oh, I'm going to go straight on by these. And then she sort of got hanging a little bit. And the one inside me sort of run me up the track in the run of the finish. And she didn't quite get there. So, um, like you say, nothing wrong with her runs. And she comes out with a little bit better draw this week. So, hopefully, that might work in our favour. Yeah, she would have smashed the clock, though, last week because she probably wasn't entitled to get as close as what she did, given where she was at the 400. No, that's right. You know, um, I was quite impressed with the run at the time. And then when I sort of look back and watch the replay, I I think I was even more impressed, you know, because she was a long way off him at the 400. And then, you know, she had to come wide, which isn't really her go, considering that she does get hanging a little bit. Um, and then to still finish off the way she did, I was um, I was wrapped with that. So very pleasing. Okay. There's been a lot of interest in a, in a few mares here locally in recent weeks uh, with North America. Has there been any uh, conversations with Wahak and Dream? Uh, not really at this stage. Um, Jamie from Summit Bloodstock, he owns a small piece of her, and uh, he was uh, I ran into him at the yearling sales the other week, and he was sort of saying, um, you know, it, it won't be long, I don't think, and, and she'll probably be on her way over. But um, at this point, there hasn't really been any offers, and we haven't tried too hard. We're sort of happy with how she's going, and if we could get another one out of her, I think, then that would probably be be the time to sort of send her over. Yeah, well, I think it's only going to be a matter of time before she wins another one at Albion Park. The trick is finding one to replace her because she's been a ripper. Oh, definitely. She's been great to us. And um, like you say, the biggest issue is trying to get another one like her. Um, they don't come along all the time. So that'll be our toughest ask. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Leonard, really appreciate the time this morning. Go well tonight. We'll see you trackside. So easy. Thanks very much. Before you go, Leonard, I want you to be honest. When we started chatting, I could hear those chooks going off and then they went quiet. Did that mum, Deb, listening and she got them out of the way or not? No, no, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm still at the farm. No, oh, they just okay. run around, run their own show. All right, fair enough. Good luck, Leonard. Thanks. Too easy. Yeah, Leonard Kane joining us there, Chris.
Yep, absolutely. So uh, we wish him well tonight with those three drives. Now, Darren Clayton, I reckon he's ready to go with you today, today Steve. Oh, because, uh, this is biased, though, isn't it? No, nah, no, nah, he's fired up. He's, he's heard all your talk about Captain Ravishing. He wants to know. He wants to see your, your birth certificate said because he's... he's certain that you're a Victorian and not a Queenslander. Oh. All I said is he's probably the most exciting standard bred in the country right now because of the way he wins. What's you, you, know who does, you know who does really enjoy the fact that you keep talking up Captain Ravishing? Grant Dixon. Dixon. <laughs> yeah. It's like, keep talking about him, take all the uh, glory off me and uh, we'll just focus on Captain Ravishing. So he'd be happy with that. Mm. But even the, uh, Bruce Clark written an article about him. He's featuring in, you know, but thoroughbred journalists are writing about him. That's a good thing for the sport, isn't it, Darren? Yeah, morning, Steve. Morning, Chris. It, it certainly is. The, the fact that we've got a talking point that is extremely positive uh, and is about a horse that's on the up. And the fact is, um, you know, what Chris just said about Grant being you know, happy that we keep talking about Captain Ravishing. It allows him to just do his thing because, um, you know, Grant's not one that sort of likes the limelight so much. And with the Tonkin Stewart stable, they've got that, um, you know, he's already in a stable that's got a lot of other high-quality horses. So it already plays off the story a little bit. So well, I think, you know, it's it's exciting for the sport um, yeah, I'd just like to see maybe a little bit more balanced commentary in, in terms of where he stands. Like, if we look at the fact in their three-year-old season, three meetings, 2-1 in the favour of Leap to Fame. Leap to Fame beat him fair and square in the derby in Victoria where, uh, you know, his his effort was huge, just the sustained speed and made Captain Ravishing chase him. And I doubt whether, um, you know, if we reverse the runs that... Um, Captain Ravishing would have been able to sustain that for as long. That's that's debatable. That's my opinion. Um, and then you look at the fact that uh, Leap to Fame went to the New South Wales Breeders Challenge Series, won that sitting parked and ran a 49 mile. So, you know, we, we talk about that speed. That's quicker than Captain Ravishing's ever gone. So, you know, let's not dismiss the fact that Leap to Fame can run time as well. Yeah, no, but what I was just making, the point I'm making is that when he's won some of his wins, like one of them was by 36 metres, another one 15, another one 22 metres, um, 28 metres two ago, 22 metres on Saturday night. You know, it's just exciting the way he can put a field away really quickly with that incredible acceleration. Oh, you'd love to own a horse that has that sort of acceleration. Well, I was just going to jump in there and say, what's interesting, speaking with David Moran yesterday and even hearing Greg Sugars just moments ago, that Miracle Mile is going to be a big test for, for Captain Ravishing because by the sound of it, you know, he, he's in his own age group right now and he looks spectacular, but when he tackles the Miracle Mile, he's, he's taking on all comers there. He's up against the big boys and by the sound of it, those guys that are leading drivers, um, I don't think life will be easy for him in that race. It certainly won't. And, um, you know, you got a four-year-old stepping into... Well, he's got to get through the Chariots of Fire, of course, first. And he, say he does that as expected. Well, he goes to the Miracle Mile. Four-year-olds have a good record in the Miracle Mile since the Chariots has been a qualification race. Um, you know, they run top three, but actually winning the race does not actually... Uh, I think Have Faith in Me is the only one. Is that right, Chris? So, you know, yes, they've run well and they've run placings, but, you know, actually winning the race, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, $1.40 is to win the chariots.
In that short, and you look at the fact that Catch a Wave goes there this week, um, we sort of heard what you mentioned yesterday with Catch a Wave, Chris, and probably it was a smart move by Andy Gath to dodge uh, Captain Ravishing in that bonanza, and he can go to, to Menangle this week. Uh, all the talk about him getting into the Hunter Cup field, um, probably the flip side of that is probably done himself a little bit of dis- disservice by going in a heat of that Mercury series as the lead-up run. If he wanted to get into the Hunter Cup, he probably needed a, a different lead-in race. Just mm. on the Miracle Mile, Spirit of St. Louis, I don't know what you guys thought, but, gee, he did some work. And he, I thought he did a good job to get as close as he did the other night because it was always going to be the second-half pack that we're going to feature. Well, you know, those horses up front were always going to get run over, and he was there halfway down the straight, wasn't he? He's $8. Yeah, I think it proved on, on the weekend... I think he's much better when he's able to follow speed. He, he was terrific, no question about it. Well, I was surprised that Luke McCarthy didn't try and make a move earlier with expensive ego. I know he's every time he's gone to Melbourne, he seems to struggle down there, and he's forced into that, you know, uh, that that role where he's got to, you know, do the hard stuff. But after a copy that was sort of pulled out, was there an opportunity for expensive ego to, to whip around, not only to park out, but maybe even challenge for the lead off Spirit of St. Louis and just give him that breather and a helmet to follow? So, yeah, there's a few things to come out of that Hunter Cup that I, I just think, you know, find a little interesting. Yeah, I agree there, Chris. And I think I actually was expecting once that had once copy that was sort of repelled, I, I thought expensive ego was going to come straight round and go to the front and then that would have provided that helmet to follow for spirit of st louis where yeah, again I, I think that's his best pattern as well mm. yeah, it's going to be very interesting the coming weeks uh, up there in sydney on that bigger track so uh it'll be different style of racing altogether to what we've seen in melbourne over the past couple of weeks but is it possible though in wrapping up that captain ravishing could have improved even more with the break uh, yeah, but you can say the same about Leap to Fame. Mm, okay. Yeah. The other, the other thing you've got to take out of that... Yeah. yeah, Captain Ravishing was first up there the other night in that bonanza, so you'd expect him to certainly tighten up a bit off that run as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe we get Dan yeah. Malecki on with you, Chris, and we just have a little debate. What do you reckon? The two callers going head-to-head. I reckon it'd be good Darren can mediate (laughs) yeah Yeah, I'd be happy happy to do that just just going back to to Just Believe and having Greg Sugars on there um, just what you said Chris about you know the plaudits this horse deserves he's had um, 14 starts since he joined the, the Lara J Farm, Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars, hasn't missed the money and in that time, like you, the, those races you mentioned, and he's won over close to half a million, 470,000 in those 13 starts so superb performance about him and just um, for my two cents for what it's worth on moving the Great Southern Star I'd love to see it on Redwood Day um, and shifted away from Melton on that all trotting day that day's now been moved. It's at late in late October. Um, you know, you've got the Trotters Derby then. You've got the two-year-old feature. And if you had heats and finals of the Great Southern Star, geez, what a day that would be. Mm, yeah, it's a valid point. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go, uh, HRV officials down there, whether they try and move it because uh, it was certainly lost there across the weekend. So I think they've got a, a, a big call to make with that uh, very good race. I, I like the concept. People find on the same night. So uh, it'll be interesting to see which way they go.
Now, let's focus on tonight, Darren. What is your best bet for Redcliffe? Yeah, well, eight races there tonight, and I thought in race number four, horse number five, Office Bad Boy, looked to get into this race nicely. A little bit of a tricky gate, but uh, pretty limited front line here. Um, he was a winner two starts back. Forget his last run. He made a, an error there that cost him. Um, like I said, limited horsing, horses to his inside. I thought this was every opportunity for him to score race four. Horse five, Office Bad Boy. Okay, 270 with tab fixed price right now. What else stands out for you on that card tonight? Yeah, I thought uh, in race number two, uh, Hear the Call certainly gets his opportunity. He's been in great form since he joined the, the Butler stable. Uh, you spoke to Leonard Kane just there before. He's on Galvarino, who will get to the front. I think here the call can either ease back early or even, even go and sit outside Galvarino and prove too strong. Um, here the call lining up tonight for his 300th race start, so certainly got plenty of experience on his side. Race two, horse five, here the call. Okay, 350 with Tab right now, here the call. That's a fixed price there. What about the quaddy? Races five, six, seven, and eight. Throw some numbers my way, please. Uh, the first leg. I uh, thought Aurora Fig gets her chance again for the Butler stable. Had a few runs up in Queensland now. Just sort of hasn't gone much. Much has gone her way. Last time out behind Jackie Moon, um, it was just a, a turn and burn. And 27-4 in front from Jackie Moon was always going to make it hard for Aurora Fig. Um, Prospectus, the other chance uh second up she was a good first up run so five and nine in that first leg the second leg uh i thought number one mullen boy certainly gets every opportunity here he draws gate one um he's had a couple of, he's had 18 months off and then he's had a couple of runs back now uh, gets back to redcliffe from gate one looks very hard to beat the third leg race seven couple of chances here even though the market probably suggests it's a race in two between number one uh, talk to the max and three east protex certainly include both of those i've got east protex on top thought he could get to the front but talk to the max does go well if allowed to lead throwing number five circle line he was first up off a freshen up last week um, certainly goes well and number seven destiny blues just a little bit of a knockout um should the one look to lead, Destiny Blues will be tucked in behind and the fence is certainly her go. So that's her opportunity there. So playing wide, one, three, five, seven. And in the last leg, um, this is another tricky one. Got number two, Snack Time Rocks on top. Can she can she finally win one? Well, she gets a chance tonight. Um, number eight, Mystical Charm, another one that's going close. Runner-up, her past three. And she dazzles purely because her first up effort, we don't really know... Um, what to expect there made an error first up so she gets gate one second up so throw her in there numbers one two and eight to bring it home okay so the numbers for the quarter tonight five and nine into one then one three five seven and we bring it home with numbers one two and eight so uh that's uh pretty simple there what uh thirty two dollars thirty two dollars there for the quaddy tonight at redcliffe best bet race four number five uh, that's 270 for Office Bad Boy, 350 for race two, number five, hear the calls. So the first of eight getting underway at 5.22. Nathan Dawson, uh, Darren, is off to a flyer here in the, uh, the Premiership race. His lead could get even bigger because uh, Pete McMullen suspended yesterday. I think he copped a 10-day suspension. So uh, he could easily 
extend on that lead and he is off to an absolute fly. Yeah, certainly. I think he's uh, over 40 wins now and, and kicked over 10 wins clear, I think, in the, in the national premiership as well. So, um, yeah, certainly off to a flyer and got some good drives in the next few days before he heads down to Menangle on Saturday night to, to partner Teddy Disco in the Paleface Adios. Mm. If Teddy Disco qualifies for the Chariots of Fire, there'll be three tins in, in America's in that uh, Chariots of Fire the following week, which is uh, quite a feat for a stallion that doesn't probably get the, you know, the A-grade mare. So we'll see if he qualifies there. We'll be uh, cheering him on for sure and certain. Uh, the other thing, um, and this will interest Steve, I'm going to try and track down Jerome Neuenberg uh, this week. We might get him on Friday morning. He does all the stats, uh, uh, Steve. Uh, he's got his new app up, sulky.app. It does all the form and all the stats everywhere in Australia. I'll get him to crunch some numbers and see who comes out on top between uh, Captain Ravishing and Leap to Fame, if that's possible. Okay. I'm going to try and make it up to Grant and play Leap to Fame's derby <laughs> success when I go out. Um I never really made I just made the comment that he's he's exciting you know when he wins he wins by big margins I didn't never said that I, I said he's the most exciting horse I didn't say he was the best horse did I never said that no, anyway he certainly is exciting Steve and yeah. um, I can't wait for later in the year when some of these races roll around and if you know he's still still up and about and ready to take on um, the the Australian three-year-old champion in some of those bigger races. Let, like let me the... ask this question to you both. Racing Queensland officials have got a big, big decision to make and it's got to come sooner rather than later. The Rising Sun, that's one of their new races. It's one of the jewels of the crown as far as the Constellations is concerned in July. Three and four-year-olds, two three-year-olds get invited and the rest of the field's made up of four-year-olds, but there are two four-year-olds that get invited. Leap to Fame has to be invited. Captain Ravishing has to be invited. Not saying he accepts that invitation, but you've got to make the effort to, to offer him a, an invitation. It, 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 it's a tricky one because if you're chasing three-year-olds, are they put off by the fact that they've got to go up against, you know, two of the potentially all-time greats here in Leap to Fame and Captain Ravishing? Or do you sort of think, oh, well, I've got a chance here, I'm going to get a good barrier draw, and there's that extra bonus if a three-year-old wins? So... Darren, what, what what do they do? How far is it, Chris? Tw the the race itself. Yes, twenty one hundred and twenty eight metres. Yeah. Jeez, they're caught between a rock and a hard place because yeah. the other the other um, you know the other avenue you could certainly look at it is that they say you know what we're not going to issue an invite to either of those two horses because they make the field regardless. So let's mm. issue the invite to a horse that may be a fringe sort of, you know, possibility so that those connections know that they're already in the race. So they know what they have to do to get there. Because let's be honest, an invite to either of those two horses is a given because if they just nominate for the race, which the remainder of the field is made up of, they're, they're certain inclusions. So it's not like they, you know, they're, they're dancing a tightrope there to get in. So... You know, is that a third possibility that you go down that? So that, like you say, you give those invites out to a three-year-old, three they'll know that they're probably likely to be there. But like you say, it's, it's a big ask to put a three-year-old up knowing what you're going to have to come up against. So just so I'm clear, if after the Miracle Mile on the 4th of March, what do you think they'll do with, with Captain Ravishing? I know, obviously, they're looking at the Eureka later in the year. 
But what what could happen after that? What's there for no, him? I think he I think he has nothing. I think he goes for a break. Okay, so what if they rang from Perth and we're interested in trying to get him into that race over there, the slot race in April? Is that April? Yeah. The timing it So work. that's on the same day as the slot race in, in New Zealand. Who's to say that there's not going to be some talk from New Zealand connections as well about trying to get Captain Ravishing to go to that race? I, I think he, he goes for a spell and, um, you know, gets more time to have a bit of downtime and then they build him up for the Eureka and I think that's going to be the, uh, the, the, the key race for him. And that, you know, is... is going to be a really important race because it will set up that clash with Leap to Fame. Yeah, yeah, 4th of March. So that race in Perth, I'm just saying, is on the 14th of April, the Nullarbor, a million dollars. Yeah. Mm. Same night as the, the race, which is staged in New Zealand at Cambridge. Mm. OK. Yeah. Yeah. It would certainly work in his program if they were to look at that in that it's not too long. But, yeah, I, I tend to think that they'd, they'd go for a spell. If he goes to the Miracle Mile and then runs in the Miracle Mile, he then has a break and probably bypasses the Queensland winter getting ready for that Eureka. I just wonder if it wasn't in Perth, though, they would really consider it. You know, one of the, yeah, I for sure. I'm, it's a long trip. Uh, and I, I reckon it's going to be part of the reason why he doesn't come to Queensland is this is Leap to Fame's backyard. Oh, I reckon that'll be enough to just to say, no, we'll, we'll just meet on uh, neutral sort of territory. Yeah, it all depends too. Like, there's a lot of water under the bridge. How he actually goes at Menangle, his one run there as a three-year-old was sort of a little bit... Um, less than impressive, but um, you know. Well, he finished last just, behind Leap to Fame, didn't he? I didn't want to highlight that, uh, Chris, but I think that was about where he finished, yeah. Mm. Mm. So that being said then, do you chase a cooter and try and get him to come to, to Queensland for the uh, rising sun? Well, yeah, it depends where it all works out. But perhaps the race in, in April for him, because he's already taken a slot Maybe that doesn't work. You know, it, so many different permutations of what can happen with the calendar now and where they end up. So it's like the bottom line, though, it's a tough decision. It's a very tough decision, and I guess if if Captain Ravishing were to get an invite to Perth and an invite to New Zealand, um, both wanting slots, and which way do you go? Which is an easier or or better on the horse? If they decide that yes, we're going to take one of those. Where does Shaw even if you had in sit in the mix with all these good horses? Well, he's only a three-year-old. Mm, I know, but I'm just saying in regards to, you know, he's he could just really emerge, couldn't he? This next six, twelve months. Well, we're going to yeah, speak so. with um, Shannon Price tomorrow, Steve. Okay. So we'll um, we'll put that question to her.